Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. GX on Agriculture. With Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, we will conclude our interview with Brad Magnuson. He is an independent agricultural consultant. He was in Wadena and Swan River last week. He will talk to us today about such things as interest rates and farmland values. Also, canola prices are not expected to move out of their current trading range, even though supplies remain tight in Canada. We'll hear from Jad Delafray. She's the Global Agriculture Editorial Manager with Argus Media, based in London. Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture has provided his weekly overview of the wheat market. And Good Soil Makes Good Food is the theme of Sask Soil's annual conference coming up in Regina next week. Mark Heimer from Minton is the chair of Sask Soils. He'll tell us about some of the speakers that they have lined up for next week's event. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX and Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Phil, it's bright and sunny here in the Yorkton area, and once again, our temperatures are pretty mild. Yeah, last night's low, uh, we actually hit before midnight. We've been uh, a little above uh, minus 8 most of the night, but uh, we got down to minus 8, which is just above our normal high this time of year. So uh, certainly some mild temperatures were above freezing for the afternoon. And as we noted yesterday, it doesn't take a whole lot above freezing for the air temperature, especially with the sunshine working to get uh, significant melting going on. You get two factors to go on. And we've seen both of those. One is that things melt, and one is that they very easily refreeze because you do have the temperatures so close to freezing. You get a little bit of melting. It hits a cold patch and refreezes, and that's why we had uh, some slick conditions. Could have the same, not, not only because of the uh, potential melting this afternoon, but we'll also add in the possibility of some freezing drizzle late tonight. So already potentially slick spots in the roads added to a little bit of icing could be another treacherous morning tomorrow today we're above freezing for the afternoon likely not long but a few hours nonetheless probably a few more hours than yesterday uh, i guess if you uh, ex- if you include the rounding where we were just a few tenths above uh, freezing yesterday about uh, three hours probably four or five hours this afternoon up to around two degrees the wind has come down considerably from yesterday, it was uh, howling for a while yesterday afternoon. Now it's been in the 15 to 25 range through the uh, day so far and likely continues there, gradually easing up through the evening into tonight as that precipitation comes in. It's a bit of warm air sliding in. First aloft, that's why we have the potential for mixed precipitation, and then lower down. The bulk of what falls 
it's going to be snow, and that will come down during the day tomorrow, even with temperature getting back to right around the freezing mark tomorrow. The atmosphere as a whole, after that initial burst of warm air, will correct itself and get us back into a snow profile, and that's why... Even with the above freezing temperatures, we have the potential for some uh, fairly wet snow, two to four centimeters. We're still February, but we're talking about the snow that actually has moisture, not your typical uh, dead of winter, minus 20, no moisture at all kind of snow. This actually has a little bit of uh, fluff to it, two to four centimeters possible through the day in the early part of the evening, Wednesday night, and then we clear back out from that snow. Dropping off behind this system to minus 12, the wind turns around into the northwest, and temperatures are just a touch cooler on Thursday. Still not bad for this time of year at all. We clear to the sunshine, we're around minus six for the high. And looking ahead as the week goes on, there's really not a lot of cold in sight. We do have temperatures that get close to freezing once again to end the week. Friday, uh, minus two. Saturday, Sunday, we're likely right there as well. Monday, likely the end of that before we drop a little bit, and there could be a few cooler days, but the overall pattern, it exclude those couple of days uh, toward the end of next week, which looks to be, at this point, still good day, good range out, but uh, looks to be pretty cold. The next foreseeable future, a couple of weeks, looks to be average or above average more often than not. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw is at minus 11 degrees. Swan River minus 8. Dauphin minus 5. Brandon, Show Lake, Russell and Roblin minus 3. Regina and Saskatoon are at minus 1. Hudson Bay minus 7. Broadview Mooseman, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington plus 1. Indian Head, 0. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, a southwest wind at 22 kilometers an hour. 71% is the relative humidity. The temperature is plus 1 degree. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of plus 1 and dropped to a low of minus 9. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is minus 9 degrees. The normal low is minus 21 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 8.18 this morning, and it will set at 5.50 this afternoon. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hot spot was McCreary at plus 6 degrees. The cold spot to Dooley Lake at minus 30 degrees. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was Maple Creek at plus 6 degrees. The cold spot was Collins Bay at minus 26 degrees. And Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. An independent agricultural consultant made his rounds in the Parkland region last week. Brad Magnuson was in Wadena on Tuesday and Swan River on Wednesday. He provided producers with tips on their agriculture strategy and management. On Friday on GX and Agriculture, Magnuson talked about canola and wheat. Yesterday, he talked about a number of agricultural commodities, including pulse crops, specialty crops, cattle, swine, and poultry. Today, he speculates about interest rates. I think that in, in, in Canada, we are, we're getting to the point where that we are waiting for a lot more additional data before we're going to make a decision. The, I would argue that the United States uh, would see potentially one more 25 
point uh, basis jump, which is going to be interesting because that's going to affect our Canadian dollar. But one of the messages that I have with our producers is that the Bank of Canada, the feds really did react um did react, uh, how can I put this, uh, slowly. We would have preferred them to move interest rates up uh, in the first part of 2020. Of course, um, I'm talking about February. I'm not talking about the, uh, the COVID-related uh, months of March and April and May. Um, I think that would have you know, kind of stemmed a lot of the tide of having to raise interest rates. Um, but we we did not do that, and we've had to raise interest rates a lot higher, a lot faster than we would have had if we would have moved a little bit quicker. But the key message is that inflation, the target of two percent, may be hard to achieve. That means that interest rates we believe are going to stay up longer than we have uh, we'd be initially thinking you know, going up and then coming right back down. That may not be the case. He also provided his thoughts on farmland values. It's interesting because um, when we look at uh, land values in Saskatchewan, up between 125 and 13.5%. Now, we have to understand that the, a lot of those sales were made before we, we radically changed interest rates. I think that the interest rates will have a downward pressure on the uh, gains in, in land values. Are we looking for a significant drop in land values? Absolutely not. Not at this point in time. Um, we still have gr- strong grain prices. And in fact, we're seeing, uh, I think, the, uh, certainly the credit unions across uh, Western Canada are still seeing, seeing uh, in, uh, increases in land values to some record high prices. Now, as a young producer, I think we have to be careful with that because if you're talking about financing it at 2.5% uh, or financing it at 7%, that price of land does change considerably. Certainly, it would put downward pressure. I can see land values, if we start to see this interest rate hang around for a while, that we could see some some moderation, certainly, of land values, but not until um, the second or third quarter of 2024. Magnuson notes he really enjoyed holding seminars last week in Wadena and Swan River. Yes, you know, I've been, I've been doing this for close to 40 years, and I've been in these communities for a long time. Um, I think in Swan River, it's been 17 years. We were joking about how old I'm getting. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where I am. If I'm in southern Ontario or if I'm in Wadena or if I'm in Red Deer, Alberta, agriculture is still agriculture. We still focus on the price of grain, price of cattle, and the price of land and, the, of course, interest rates. So they're very consistent. And he concluded with this advice. One of the message, Doug, that I want to leave, please get your pencil out, look at your costs, try to drive down those costs. One of the things that we're doing in our farm is doing soil testing, and we're finding actually a fair bit of nitrogen in the ground. Let's make sure that we're not over-fertilizing this year um, and, and that we're keeping our costs down. And I think that's the, one of the main messages. Brad Magnuson is an independent agricultural consultant based in Manitoba. He held seminars in Wadena and Swan River last week.
It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. We're into the second month of 2023, and the Prairie Provinces have yet to see any new cases of avian flu. Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta each had their most recent cases in November of last year. Saskatchewan's was in a commercial poultry operation in the RM of Humboldt on November 14th. Manitoba's came on November 17th in a non-commercial, non-poultry location in the RM of Woodlands. And Alberta's most recent case came on November 22nd in a non-commercial poultry location in Mountain View County. As of February 2nd, 60 locations in Alberta have been infected with avian flu, impacting more than 1.4 million birds. Of those locations, only 14 remain infected. So far, this winter grain movement in Canada has yet to incur few, if any, major problems that have stymied rail shipments, according to Mark Hemis, president of Quorum Corporation, which tracks rail movement in Canada. He says Canadian Pacific Railway and Canadian National Railway have been doing good jobs during the 2022-23 marketing year in moving grain. Hemis says they've benefited by one of those years where they're really enjoying a calamity-free year. He says they don't have floods, they don't have blockades, they don't have massive derailments, and they've had a reasonably mild winter. At 2.29 million metric tons, CP set a new January record for grain movement. CP said it has transported more than 15 million metric tons of grain and grain products so far during the marketing year. No matter where you turn, there's been a lot of talk about global recession, not just in the United States and Canada, but also in other G7 countries, which are facing some really hard economic times ahead. As interest rates have gone up, you'd expect protein demand to drop. This is not the case, as the demand has stayed quite strong. It has left many scratching their heads. Not only have interest rates risen, but the average income around the world has escalated too. This, says Don Close, the Chief Research and Analytics Officer with Terrain, is likely the reason for increased demand. Looking ahead, he says there are certain pressures we need to be watching out for that would give an indication for cause for concern. The two biggest concerns are the escalating COVID-19 crisis in China and the Russia-Ukraine war, especially with questions surrounding whether it will expand to include additional countries. The annual Prairie Land Youth Leadership Conference was held this weekend at the World Trade Center in Saskatoon at Prairie Land Park with 40 applicants aged 14 to 21, all vying for leadership recognition and scholarships. The conference had the participants engage in various interactive activities, competitions and workshops. They were closely watched and judged by committee members throughout the full two days, and the results are as follows. First place and a $4,500 scholarship was presented to Reina Yesenyuk of Hafford. Second place and a $3,000 reward was uh, given to Emma Brost of Tompkins. Third place and a $2,500 scholarship was presented to Catherine Posberg of Humboldt.
fourth and fifth places and a $1,000 scholarships were awarded to Jana Rumpel of Craven and Amber McDonald of Invermay. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and plus one degree in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Canola prices are not expected to move out of their current trading range, even though supplies remain tight in Canada. Jad Delafray is the Global Agriculture Editorial Manager with Argus Media based in London. She says vegetable oil demand in the European Union is weak and Australia has produced a record canola crop. I think in general the supply outlook globally is ample enough. Our outlook is mostly neutral. Probably not much room for prices to go down much further at this point in time given what we know on the oil seeds and the elements of support that we have but there's also not a huge amount to to support prices hugely i guess there's a bit of a wild card always which what's china going to do next you never know as as the macro context there evolves whether that could change a little bit dynamics on on the demand but at this point in time the outlook's pretty neutral both for the grains and the oil seeds globally Delafray says Canada has already moved over half of its canola exports for the current crop year. We forecast total marketing year exports at 7.5 million tonnes. So it's a little bit lower than where the USDA currently is, which means at the end of week 25 in January, we'd only have about 3.4 million tonnes or so left to be exported. If we exclude 21-22, that's not that much canola left to be exported for this particular marketing year. So the balance sheet in Canada is a little bit tight. Domestic canola crushers have been operating at near capacity. The last few months, the crushing pace has been strong between 800 and 900,000 tons a month over the last few months. And we think that if that pace is maintained, we're on track to reach some of the forecasts that are around, especially the USDA forecast, at 10 million tonnes of crush in Canada. So, so we're on track. End of December, 4 million out of the way, 6 million is left to crush. The United States is the destination for most Canadian canola oil share of that canola oil that gets exported to the U.S., that's rising, the vast, vast majority going to the U.S. in the last couple of years. And why am I uh, pointing that out as well is because we're doing some work, particularly my colleagues on the biofuels desks over in the U.S. are looking at this because some of the recent regulatory changes are making it potentially more attractive to use canola oil as a feedstock for renewable diesel, particularly now it's not the most common practice at this point in time, but nonetheless it's something that we're monitoring closely. Delafray says vegetable oil demand in Europe is weak and that it is not expected to change in the foreseeable future. There's no obvious sign of tightness yet. So 23-24, we're forecasting UK plus EU areas at 6.43 million hectares, so no particular tightness there at this point. However, there is something that's that's weighing on the prices as well that's a little bit less certain at this point. It is talks in Germany, which is the biggest biodiesel market in Europe, of potentially banning crop-based biofuels. Now, that might not happen, but the fact that it is being discussed politically is weighing on the sentiment on the market. Another thing to monitor is whether China will resume buying Australian canola. 
Political disagreements have sharply reduced trade between the two nations over the past couple of years. However, China is now buying some coal from Australia. Delafray says the Chinese could consider expanding trade to agricultural commodities as well. If we look at the origins for Chinese imports, it's almost 100% Canadian at this point in time. But if we look further back in history, there were some flows going from Australia. Now, of course, because of trade relationships being strained on that front, at the moment there's not such a, a flow. However, there has been some relaxation with some coal trade flows restarting between Australia and China. So that's something that is worth monitoring should this trend extend to agricultural commodities, one could wonder whether China might turn to Australia for a bit of rapeseed, particularly if we think by the end of the marketing year, most of the Canadian canola will have been exported. Jad Delafray is the Global Agriculture Editorial Manager with Argus Media in London. Her comments come from a webinar held last Thursday. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and they're a presentation of Heartland Livestock in Verdon. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for April are trading at 163.67, that's down 80. June live cattle trading at 159.87, down 82. March feeder cattle trading at 187.30, down 40. April feeder cattle trading at 191.40, down 35. April lean hogs trading at 83.45, up 72. May lean hogs trading at 93.05, up 80. And that's the livestock market conditions. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture has provided his weekly overview of the wheat market. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. After a strong start to the week, wheat futures managed to close on Friday unchanged to slightly higher. In the significant purchases and trades, Egypt purchased 535,000 tons of Russian wheat for Feb-March delivery. The price was $323.40 a ton. Algeria bought 250 to 300,000 tons of durum wheat, likely from several origins at $450 a ton. This was significantly lower than previous durum tenders. U.S. export sales of 136,000 tons were well below expectations and left the season total at 595 million bushels down 6% from last year. Egypt's tender was one of the more important news items that happened last week. Russian wheat dominated the tender, winning the entirety of the 535,000 ton purchase. There was large participation in the tender, with over 20 offers from over 13 suppliers. Most of their offers were Russian origin. There were no US offers, but there was one French offer, which was $30 a ton higher than the lowest Russian price. Russia obviously is not done exporting wheat, as lower oil prices are causing the country to rely on other commodities like wheat to finance the war. The World Bank must approve the purchase as they are providing the financing, but this is not expected to be an issue. We are close to the one-year anniversary of Russia's war. 
This time last year, Egypt bought Romanian wheat at $338 a ton, which was roughly worth 5,300 Egyptian pounds. Last week, Egypt paid $323, which roughly equates to 9,800 Egyptian pounds. So wheat in Egypt cost 85% more than it did last year. While today Egyptian purchases are higher than last year, they are well behind average. Okay, over to Canada. We have been pleasantly surprised by the place of exports that Canadian shippers have been able to maintain. This is largely thanks to the strong performance of the rail lines. With that said, rail car fulfillment still frequently falls below the 90% threshold. According to the Ag Transport Coalition, CN hopper car fulfillment has fallen short of the 90% threshold in 10 of the past 11 weeks. Similarly, CP's performance has fallen below 90% for the 18th week in a row. Rail companies supplied 82% of the ordered hopper cars in week 23, which was a strong improvement from the seasonal low set in week 22 of 52%. Canada exported another 356,000 tons of wheat in shipping week 26. Weekly exports have been steadily declining over the past weeks, but this is still more than the average weekly pace of 382,000 tons. Wheat exports often slow in January and February before picking up into the springtime. The Stats Canada Stocks Report is out on Tuesday. Traders will be looking to see how the strong export performance has affected wheat stock numbers. For Durham, Algeria tendered for 50,000 tons of Durham last Tuesday. They were reported to instead have bought a much bigger 250 to 300,000 tons of Durham for a price between $448 a ton to $450 a ton. The shipments were for February-March timeframe. We hear that Richardson sold some of the wheat, so Canadian Durham was involved, but we are unsure as to the amount. If the price is correct, we calculate this to be about $13.50 a bushel at the elevator. The price of the Algerian tender was a surprisingly steep discount to the approximately $492 a ton that Tunisia paid on December 20th, which calculated to about $15.30 at the time. We are not sure as to the cause of the steep drop in price, but some of our international sources believe that the decline in price was largely driven by Canada bidding aggressively. In view of the Algerian tender, Durham prices in Italy fell by 22 euros per ton over the week and are now bid at 438 euros a ton. We figure that this calculates to about $13.75 at the elevator in Saskatchewan. Winter is often a slower shipping season for Durham while the lakes are closed, but current ocean freight rates are channeling Canadian Durham via the west coast. With that said, exports should pick up again once the lakes open with alternative access to the European market. Week 26 Durham exports were 193,000 tons for a season total of 2.7 million tons. Durham exports remain on pace to surpass 5 million tons compared to the AAFC's 4.8 million ton number. It seems like the pace will remain strong with another 463,000 tons of visible supplies in the system, and Canadian Durham being included in the recent purchases by both Tunisia and Algeria. 
Algeria's Durham purchase took the market by surprise with respect to both the size and the price. Durham buyers will take this as a bearish signal and will drop their price ideas. We would look at finishing old crop sales and would sell 25% of new crop at $12 a bushel. Down to the U.S. There was additional rain in the U.S. Central Plains over the weekend, but most of the winter wheat belt continues to be dry. As of January 31st, 58% of the U.S. winter wheat crop was under drought conditions, a 1% improvement from the week previous. The Kansas crop is the most affected, with 70% of their crop considered to be under extreme to exceptional drought conditions. The Pro Farmer Tour showed an overall deterioration of the U.S. winter wheat crop. Oklahoma's crop lost 21 points from December to 17% good to excellent. Similarly, Colorado's wheat crop was down 12% to 38% good to excellent. Meanwhile, the winter wheat crop in Kansas gained 2 points to 21% good to excellent, while Nebraska's ratings were up 4% at 22% good to excellent. In Australia, Australian wheat futures closed $10 higher on the week to a four-week high. FOB values in Australia were unchanged last week. In Argentina, Argentina farmer sales were just 100,000 tons. Domestic mills and exporters are scrambling to cover their commitments. Exports from Argentina have been slow, as the wheat crop was impacted by severe drought and the corn crop was off to a slow start. Total grain exports in January were down 25% from December and were just 61% of last year's amount. In India, the state-owned Food Corporation of India sold 920,000 tons of wheat reserves on Wednesday. The sales caused domestic prices to fall by almost 13% to about 347 US dollars a ton. This is still higher than the minimum support price. The Indian government was only able to source about 18.8 million tons of wheat for their subsidized feeding program, which is 53% of last year's amount. In the European Union, Matif wheat futures traded in a 7 euros per ton range, but closed lower on the week. Matif wheat futures are now lower than pre-war levels. In the Black Sea, Exports from Ukraine are becoming increasingly difficult as the lineup in the Bosphorus continues to get bigger. There were no Ukrainian offers in the first position of the gas tender, and only one offered in the second position for March. Initial estimates for Russia's upcoming wheat crop are for 84 to 87 million tons. This would be a significant drop from the approximately 100 million tons that they produced this past year. The decrease is largely from dryness in the southern region and frosts in the central and Volga region. The combined production decreases that are expected in Ukraine and Russia for the upcoming crop season amount to about 20 million tons. Production in the Black Sea will become increasingly important to the market when the crop comes out of dormancy this spring. In the coming week, Russia continues to drive the nearby market, and time is running short for a sustained old crop rally. We think wheat remains supported by the fundamentals, but politics, inflation, and economic uncertainty are adding a substantial amount of risk. The funds are short in all wheat markets, and there is nothing new in the mix to prompt them to cover this in the short term. The condition of the winter crop coming out of dormancy will be the next major piece of news. Until then, Russia looks poised to dominate the export market with prices 
$30 to $60 below U.S. values. We have a new USDA report out on Wednesday. The trade is expecting larger ending stocks in the U.S. and unchanged world stocks. In conclusion, we would use this rally to finish wheat sales at about $12 a bushel. That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading up across the board this hour. March canola trading at 833.80, up 30 cents. May canola trading at 831.80, up $1 per metric ton. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 918 and a quarter, up three quarters of a cent. March Kansas City wheat trading at 885 and a half, up nine and a half cents. March Chicago wheat trading at 749 and three quarters, down a half a cent. March corn trading at 675 per bushel, down four cents. March soybeans trading at 1517 and a half, down three and three quarters of a cent. March oats trading at 382 and a quarter, down one and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned, your Farm Bulletin Board is coming up next. Farm Bulletin Board. Saskatchewan Pulse Growers is holding its winter pulse meetings. The next meeting goes this Thursday in Assiniboia. Then on Thursday, February 16th, they'll be in Elrose. And Thursday, March 2nd, in Melfort. You can register now for those winter pulse meetings. They will host four events in all. The first one was last week, and they will also have an exciting panel of presenters. So once again, you can register for those meetings, Saskatchewan Pulse Grower meetings, which are occurring one this week and one next week, and then one in the first week of March. Applications are now being accepted for the 2023 Saskatchewan Agriculture Student Scholarship Program. This year's theme is Farming and the Environment. Applicants of the scholarship are encouraged to explore the idea of environmental sustainability within farming and the importance of public perception on modern farming practices. Applicants should focus on progressive environmental practices conducted by producers and the importance of relaying that message to the public to enhance trust in the industry. Students are invited to submit a creative three-minute video or 1,000-word essay discussing farming and the environment. Scholarships will be awarded to students in grade 12 and or recent graduates entering agriculture-related post-secondary studies in 2023. One winning scholarship of $4,000 and three runner-up scholarships of $2,000 will be awarded. The deadline for applications is March 1st. You can see that deadline program is saskatchewan.ca slash ag scholarship. And it's now one o'clock. That means it's time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. A mix of sun and cloud, winds west-southwest at 15 to 25, and a high of plus 2. For tonight, increasing cloud with a 30% chance of flurries, 
Winds west-southwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 6. For tomorrow, 2 to 4 centimeters of snow. Winds east-southeast, then northeast at 15 to 30, a high of 0, a low of minus 12. For Thursday, sunny. Winds west-southwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 6. For Friday, mainly sunny, a high of minus 2. And Saturday, partly sunny, also a high of minus 2. In the Paw, it's minus 11 degrees, Swan River minus 8, Dauphin minus 5, Brandon, Show Lake Russell, and Roblin minus 3. Regina and Saskatoon minus 1, Hudson Bay minus 7, Broadview, Mooseman, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington plus 1, Indian Head 0. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, a southwest wind at 22 kilometers an hour. 71% is the relative humidity. The temperature is plus 1 degree. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. CJGX Yorkton, a Harvard Media radio station serving Saskatchewan and Manitoba. We are GX 94.